Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. There's a dude too. Um, he wrote a book about um, Van Morrison because apparently Van Morrison like wrote and recorded Astral Weeks in Boston. He wrote yeah. this whole book about yeah. Have you read, have you familiar with this book? Uh, no, but I love Astral Weeks, and I heard that what's that Boston guy who does uh, Disgraceland? I forget his oh, name. I don't he, know. He did an episode, an episode on Van Morrison in Boston, and it was fascinating. It was about yeah, that, is what recording Astral Weeks. Yeah, this book, the book that's written about that is really interesting, and it's the dude who was the lead singer from Hallelujah the Hills. Okay, I don't he know. Wrote, that. He wrote the book. Oh wow, that'd be, be cool. A good person to go after, I feel like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. Hey Mike. This isn't a up? fucking Van Morrison podcast. <laughs> All right. We're not gonna talk about that anti vaxxer drunk Irish asshole. This is our Neil Young podcast where we mostly talk. Mike Shue and the Condon Boys, Trans and Harvest and Illinois. We're gonna sit and listen to each one. It's long, may you young. Mike, are you anti-Van Morrison? I didn't know this. No, I love Van Morrison until yeah, but- I heard he was like anti-vaccine. I'm like, why? Why are you being a dick after 50 years? <laughs> He's anti-lockdown. Like, gonna, he thinks we shouldn't be doing masks or anti-masks. Yeah. John's already here. This I'm gonna, is coming from a recluse. I'm going to okay. admit him, but let's keep talking about this. Okay. All right. No, I saw that. I think we talked about it. The uh, That song he put out. Yeah. Yeah, with yeah. Clapton, right? Didn't with he put Clapton. Out yeah. Clapton, too, yeah. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah. There's a guy struggling like- with some... You know. Don't write that song. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> don't don't release it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> like if you if you believe that, fine. Like, you're an old rich guy. Like, fine. That lives in a castle yeah, and never yeah. has to see anyone. So what is he? He locks. He's been he's been in lockdown himself for like 30 years. Yeah, just yeah. Especially that's what made me that made it so weird because he's super reclusive from everything I've heard. Right. So anyway. easy for him to say. Yeah. You know, meanwhile, the friggin' postman is walking around with a full hazmat suit on. Right. Yes, you know? exactly. What an asshat. It looks like John is t- attempting to connect to audio here. John, Hi. can you hear us? I'm in. Hey. hey. You need my video or what? If you want, it's totally up to you. Not, not if you're naked. <laughs> or if you <laughs> are naked, then that also yes. helps. What's up, man? What's hey, yeah, nothing much. Chilling. You see me? I got yeah. you. Nice. Cool. Um, uh, my name is Luke, and then on with us is Mike Shu and Matt Lacaraza, who's filling in for my brother Russ. This is the Long May You Young podcast, where we talk about all things Neil Young. Welcome, my love, friends. Love it, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah we actually try to uh, plow through Neil Young's catalog. Uh, each episode, we cover an album by Oh, release. cool. So, like, which, that's everything. Which, live albums, reissues, things like that. 
Which one are we doing this time? Well, so you, we started in 2021 doing these monster episodes. Like, you know how X-Files has, like, monster episodes in between the main timeline? Yeah. I just talked to different musicians and people about Neil Young. and that's So you're right between uh, Mirrorball and – what do we just do, Mike? Sleeps with Angels. Sleeps with Angels. Yeah. All right. Cool, so, man. Yeah, it's a good nice. spot. But we did start off talking about Van Morrison as we normally – tend to do is talk about something completely (laughs) other than neil young (laughs) nice some reason i don't know um that's okay yeah so i i gotta i gotta just say this that you know you have your song i would you say it's probably maybe one of your more popular songs uh, I almost stole some weed from Todd Snyder, <laughs> right? Uh, I, w- I wish it was more popular than it is. I think it's more of like a fan favorite. Okay. Uh, but it's not one that, uh, I think because it's kind of, it's very personable and kind of uncoverable, you know? Yeah. And in my genre, I find that the ones that are sort of more adaptable to the campfire and the like, uh, you know, YouTube cover, those are the ones that really start to take off. So right. I had somebody once asked me for the chords to the Todd Snyder song, I realized it'd be, it would be a very odd song to cover. It's very, you know, um, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's one of the more popular funny songs, I think. But you wouldn't hear it at the supermarket. That's what you're saying. Yeah. It's not, yeah. It's not on Sirius XM acoustic (laughs) coffee house. Sadly. I think it was back in 90, 92 or 93. I gave weed to Todd Snyder. Awesome. That's a much more common that's a much yeah. more common story that I've heard. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I don't know. When, when, when was that? Uh, when did that experience happen? Uh, 2012, okay. maybe. 2012, right. yeah. Mike, yeah, okay. are you trying to figure out if John owes you weed? Is that That's what's what, happening? I was trying to get weed out of John, basically. That's what <laughs> yes, I was trying yes. to do. Hey, it all, it's all part of a circle, I'm sure. That's right, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so if you're just tuning in, if you, I hate one. Why do I say you're, that? It's a, it's a podcast. No one's yeah. just tuning in. Nobody tunes in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we're uh, talking to John uh, Craig. Is that, is it Craigie? Is that how you say it? Or Craigie? Craigie's good. Yeah, Craigie. Craigie, yeah. Craigie right? I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. Um, and he's got an album that just came out in 2020 called Asterisk the Universe, um, it, which is fantastic. I I had the pleasure of kind of diving into your catalog over the past few weeks as we were Thanks, setting up man. this interview and I'm really, really into your stuff, man. Really, really cool Thank stuff. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. And you, so. and you recorded that with just like a couple other people in a cabin. Like, are we talking like a super remote cabin or is this like, you know, where were you like super remote? Like Bon Iver was when he was like in the middle of the woods recording. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't killing any elk or anything like that. Okay. No, it was uh, maybe 15 minutes from a town called Sebastopol, which is a, you know, not a small town maybe uh half an hour from Santa Rosa. So, you know, it was, it was not that remote. It there was, was very... a Chili's nearby. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, not too far. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you're near yeah. civilization. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and so was, this wasn't like the, I was reading a lot like, Oh, he's doing something different with this album. He's recording with other musicians. I mean, I didn't, it didn't, that didn't seem like something new for you though. No, it's so funny with press, you know, they're, they're always trying to make it sound like, like you're doing something new, but it's always the same shit. Uh, but, yeah, this one, I like, I like to get people in a room together and play live. This one was, I guess, a bit more dynamic in that we had everyone, like, almost basically no overdubs, because in the past, I wasn't able to do my piano and keys, like, live, but this one I was. So, yeah, we were doing, you know, sort of full band style, which was really cool. And, and because it was remote, people were all sleeping there, as opposed to other ones where 
people would go home at night, you know? So it was kind of a full, the full on, um, it just, you know, you're immersed in the whole experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's felt that way for sure. Yeah. And how long was that? Like, so you guys basically lived with each other for how, and recorded for, for how long? Just, just five days. I don't like to, oh, yeah. I don't, I don't like to do too many takes. I don't like to be in the studio that long. You know, for me, you lose some mojo after day six or seven. So five days is great. It feels like a, like summer camp and then you're out, you know? Yeah. No, totally. Yeah. Very much like, uh, very much like Neil. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and a lot of his oh. stuff. He likes to get in there. He doesn't even like to tell the band, you know, how to play the song. He just says, yeah. just follow me. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I, you know, a lot of my uh, recording inspiration comes from the stories I read about Neil and, and Dylan too. And I really like that technique of, of, yeah, not having the, especially with guys like us who our songs aren't, you know, rock operas. They're not that complicated. It's usually three or four chords. I don't want the, the drummer to know too much going in. I want it to feel, cause it always feels really fresh when you're just learning it all yeah. right there. Everyone's, everyone's exploring it right there. So I tend to do the same thing, you know. You do this, um, this pretty interesting thing on the album. It's called No Rain, No Rose. And after yeah. every song, you have like a 15 to 30 second just audio clip of kind of this behind the scenes stuff. And I fucking love that. Yeah, and after the song Savannah, particularly, you say this thing. It's uh, You're talking about you must be like kind of just running the song right before you're about to record it. And you say, always record, always record those runs because I'm trying to yeah. think of the exact quote, but it's something like it's never going to be as good as the first time it hits. And yeah. I really, really love that. And that reminds me so much of Neil. And I know we've beaten this horse to death on this podcast, but one of the things about Neil that I love is that the second he goes into the studio that he just hits record because he doesn't want to miss anything. And the times he does yeah. are some of his biggest regrets. Of I don't course, know. I just think that's course. really cool. Dude. So. Yeah. And, and I had read all those stories myself too. And yeah, what's cool too is when you get with these guys who they're not, they, they weren't my band or anything like that. So you're getting a lot of spontaneity. You're getting yeah. a lot of, uh, of stuff that I wasn't expecting, which is very exciting. And I think that's, it's fun for me because recording is, it's just not like, I, live is so much more fun so recording can be a drag so if you can make it more like a live show the audience is going to dig it and so are you you know no absolutely and you're yeah. you're someone who who tours a lot or who did tour a lot of course yeah so yeah that was like a real road musician like you how are you dealing with what's going on not being able to to do that and we've we've talked to patterson hood from the drive-by truckers and um, you know, a bunch of other people we've had on the show. Another about, Portland dude. Yeah, yeah, another Portland guy. Um, about how they're dealing with, you know, making up for that live experience. And, you know, how are you taking to the live stream thing? Are you <laughs> trying to do something different? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, not great. You know, I look at it as uh you know, when this started happening, all my friends were like, Hey, you know, make pickles, make sourdough bread, you know, all this stuff and <laughs> You know, the way it felt to me was like you were, you know, you were married to like the, the love of your life, this beautiful person, soulmate. And then all of a sudden they, they took them away and they were like, you could just fuck this loaf of sourdough. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> that's, that's how it's felt. Sorry if that's too graphic. You no, know, this is a little awkward though. Be, this is awkward though, because Matt is actually dating a sourdough, a piece of sourdough bread. Yeah, so, so yeah my, my sourdough wife is pregnant. Right <laughs> yes. Okay. It's okay. <laughs> 
but yeah, so that's, you know, but on the other hand, it's like, you just really realize how lucky we all were to have such a great life. And so um, it's hard sometimes when something is taken away from you like that, it's hard to complain as much because other people have, have it a lot harder, but right. uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I'm just doing a lot of waiting, I guess, learning patience. Yeah. It's really what I'm doing. Well, plus I heard that you don't like music- musicians that complain. I think I, that's true. That yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. I don't like that. And, but I don't like the live streams very much, especially for my kind of show. I do like to do a lot of storytelling and audience interaction. So I keep the live streams pretty minimal and, that's okay, I think. But no, I, I hear you. They they got they got old fast for me, both as someone who does them with a band and also someone who has watched some of my favorite bands do them. They just I think everyone is so hungry for live music. And I really hope that you know, and when all this is over, I really hope it just explodes again in a way that I it know. never has. Me too, me too. Yeah. John, I gotta ask. I so I <clears throat> I also love the new record and listen to that mostly. Thank you. Really great. Um, but just before earlier today, I finally decided to throw on your live album and I had seen like on the internet, people comparing you to Mitch Hedberg. And I was like, I mean, seems to have a sense of humor, but um, I'm a comedian. I do improv comedy. And when I listen cool. to, when I listened to your live album, I was like, man, this guy is hilarious. Like, well, thank you very much. Yeah. Thanks. Do you have a background in, in stand-up at all or do you have like is where does that come from he's too handsome to have done stand-up i'm sorry <laughs> oh that's very you know, kind that's of what i think too but <laughs> uh <laughs> no I, I was always just um the storyteller in you know as a kid the class clown so i think the two kind of came together i was never a good musician but i was always you know good at like kind of making the kids laugh so that's kind of where it came from it's great man it's, it's yeah thank you so much to have in your pocket and it really like I was like, Mitch Hedberg, no way. This guy, like, that to me is like hallowed ground. And I was like, does when that, I, yeah. does when that I kind listen of, to Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Matt. My bad. When I listen to it, honestly, man, your delivery, like, funny. You're a funny guy. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah, the, the, the Hedbergian comparison is, is more in the delivery. Our sense of humor is very different. You know, he has that sort of sure. great existential absurdist, like, um, Stephen Wright style, which I love. Yeah. Not necessarily the storytelling, but. I appreciate the comparison, you know. Does yeah, it kind the of delivery an- is definitely. Does it kind of annoy you though? Because I feel like I've read like most of the time when you look up John Craigie, it it always says like hilarious like stuff in between shows. Does that does it like set? Do you feel like that sets you up for like this crazy expectation when you're doing live shows or? Yeah, definitely. I'd rather that not be the <laughs> the first thing people say. But you know, it's right. funny because humor <clears throat> it really sticks out as a when you're a musician, because music is essentially, we think of it as like a very serious and dramatic thing, which is why it's much easier to be a funny musician than a comedian, because that comedic audience walks in and they're like, make me laugh. A music audience is like, just sing to me. And, and that's why we've all experienced this. You go see somebody, a musician, and they say something and it's not that funny, but the crowd roars, you know, (laughs) because it's a, it's a tension breaker because, it's like when you go see a play and plays are really weird because you're watching people pretend to be, you know, on the sea and you're in a little black box theater. Right. So it's an odd social situation. So when he, some, someone makes a really dumb joke, everyone laughs to break the tension. And um, so I think that that we all have that on our side, which I appreciate. I've, yeah. I've tried to do stand up like 
in like open mics and stuff. Have you really? Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, and it's that not, scares the shit out of me, man. Yeah. <laughs> and it's and you know I would because I would have like stories that wouldn't be appropriate for my show or they're too long or whatever. And I would try them out and then they wouldn't get a laugh. And then I would do like, well, I'll just do one of my show bits. And that wouldn't, you know, it's like, it's really, I'm very lucky to have the guitar. Yeah. You know, it, it's true, man. It feels like, uh, isn't it? There, there's a quote somewhere that says like every musician wants to be a standup and every standup wants to be a musician. <laughs> yeah. And I think true. there's some truth to that. And it is nice to play live music because you get such an easier audience. Like you said, yes. it's really, I can, in between songs, um, I, I'll talk a lot and yeah. I have no fear or whatever. But if I were to go to well, a, it's because of all the whiskey that helps for sure. <laughs> yeah. But he, yeah. even I did, uh, I've never done stand up, but my buddy threw a roast for himself once. And, uh, I wrote jokes and I thought they were very funny. I don't remember the roast because I got so drunk. Cause I was so mm -hmm. terrified that yeah. I blacked out and I just something, and there was like five people there. Something about stand up scares the shit out of me. Yeah, it's very it scary. Yeah. It's a weird, it's a weird dynamic, and uh, yeah, it's just laughter is a very strange. We could we could talk hours on just the science yeah. of laughter and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Do, do do you ever get frustrated um, when you're trying to sing, say, a serious song <clears throat> or a sad song? And people are, are like, nah, do something funny. You ever <laughs> run into anything like that? Or is it, does Look, it get in the way ever of, of your performance? Well, luckily, I haven't had that problem because early on, I recognized that concern. I remember being a kid, I was watching SNL and Adam Sandler was on and he was singing a funny song and I loved it. You know, I thought it was great. But I remember thinking like, man, what happens when Adam Sandler wants to sing a heartfelt song? He's clearly a good songwriter. I'm sure he has written non-funny songs same thing with like flight of the concords i just knew that i wanted to be able to do both so if you like if you're a folk singer and you market yourself as such and you have a good crowd that's you know you're not playing like rowdy bars then you'll be i've been okay the only thing that can be tricky sometimes is when you try to my favorite kind of song is the kind of song where it has both where there's sad lines and funny lines. And it's a lot to ask of an audience to take that journey with you. Only laugh when I want you to laugh and then cry when I want you to cry. But you slowly condition your crowd to know you and to know your sense of humor and then your sense of despair. <laughs> and ideally they're with you. So not totally. That's it's a conscious like, effort though. You, you really got to, you got to work at, you know, that's, you know, Neil, it's just since this is a Neil Young podcast, yeah. I'll keep trying to bring it back to Neil. <laughs> Neil has the same thing where it's like he's the folk artist, but then he also wants to be like, you know, the crazy rock guy. Yeah. You know, the heavy rock guy. And he's always trying to get that balance. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Know, between the two. And he's, he's been successful sometimes and very unsuccessful, you know, at, at, at other times. So I, I will say, John, some of your songs remind me of... Um, Mike, you'll appreciate this, like a like a final Neil song, like a last trip to Tulsa kind of. Uh, yeah. This one, this one song in particular that I I went back to again and again when I was getting into your stuff. It's called I I wrote Mr. Tambourine Man. Yeah. And it's probably supposed to make me maybe think of Dylan, but it really the, some of the lines in there like really really fucked me up in a good way. Uh, I wrote some of these down because I love them. Uh, just I mean the chorus when the apocalypse is over. I hope you like your job. It's yeah, such a Neil Young line to me. Um, yeah. Never trust a musician who plays with their eyes open. 
because all the good shit happens when they're closed. I just fucking, I don't know. It's probably weird to have someone just read your lyrics. Yeah. Back, but, uh, no, I appreciate that. I mean, yeah, Neil was definitely at the top of my influences well, continuously, but in the beginning, especially, uh, you know, I grew up in the 90s, so he, he, was had, he had that sort of interesting resurgence. I was a big Pearl Jam head as a kid, and, you know, they were big Neil fans, and so they kind of, maybe not them single-handedly, but I think they had a lot to do with bringing Neil into sort of coolness again in, in the yeah. sort of mid-90s. And so as a big Pearl Jam fan, they were covering Rockin' in the Free World, they were covering a couple other songs. I said, I got to check this Fucking guy out. Up, I saw him. Covered a lot, yeah. Yeah, I saw him on the, probably was MTV Music Awards or something. Mm. He, they, he came out and joined them on a few tunes. And uh, I thought he was great. And so because of that, as I matured, no offense to Pearl Jam, but I kind of grew out of Pearl Jam and grew into Neil Young just because I feel like it's a much more like longstanding you know, yeah. longevity career. And so then I was able to really dive deep and find like, yeah, like what you're saying, but yeah, thank you for saying that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the, you know, you know, we're covering Mirrorball next. Yeah. Which is his album with, with Pearl Jam. Yes. yes. Um, you know, do you, do you have any thoughts on that? Has that, has that, has that been an album? Cause he's got so much music out there. Has that been an album that has stayed with you? You know, if, if you uh, it all, are you still familiar with it? Because there's so many yes. albums. Some some haunt me all the time, and some I, you know, it's like they're just not there anymore. <laughs> I can't remember one thing about them. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm a huge Neil guy, so I'll go into I'll go into the Shocking Pinks. I'll go I'll go oh, yeah. wherever. How dare you? Um, yeah, <laughs> I, it's not. That. I, I, <laughs> yeah, that's my least favorite Neil album of all. Oh, time. <laughs> it's it's the worst. It's and he's got he's got a lot of bad stuff, but um but that's that's the worst or uh it's hard to say but that's pretty bad <clears throat> it's you know um, my least favorite know. by far not yeah, even by, no mean, not by far i guess i don't know i think it's yeah. still still better than landing on water i just yeah sure sure but the problem with the shocking pinks is like it is i think he's trying to be funny and that's bad <laughs> yeah. it's like it's not we talked about that actually like with that album he's like putting on an act and yeah, like old ways, you know, his country country album, he was putting on an act. He was trying to sing yeah. like Willie or George Jones or something. And he wasn't really paying attention to, you know, using the genre. He was trying to copy the genre too much as opposed to use it. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I got that feeling with the Shocking Pinks, too, where it was like, and it was kind of a fuck you to it David. It is a fuck Duffin. you. Yeah, yeah. which you I know. appreciate the fuck you. I but... appreciate the fuck you for sure. Yeah. 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 But, but it's... It. um. It doesn't mean that we have to listen to it. <laughs> you know what right, I mean? Exactly. Um, yeah. And I, I, even things like Trans or uh, I'm trying to think of other albums that are sometimes harder for me to listen to. They're not, he's not being funny, so it doesn't really bother me as much. But the Shocking Pinks, it's like when you're Neil and you're being silly, please, I'm, I'll leave it alone. <laughs> but anyway, the, the point, of, but with Mirrorball, it's okay. You know, I think the problem with Mirrorball for me is it just, um, it reminds me of that time, the 90s, which I think was not my favorite. It was my favorite at the time, but now that I look back, the production style uh, wasn't my favorite. But it's a cool record for sure, and there's some cool tunes on it. And, um, but I don't, I don't like take it as seriously probably as I take others. Yeah, I, I don't want to jump too far ahead. I, I kind of agree because you had, you had the biggest like, band at the time with the biggest yeah. rock star who had just come back, like his last three albums were just fantastic and because yeah. everyone had written them off. 
And so he was the godfather of grunge and you had them together and it kind of falls flat. I yeah. think you it, think so? Yes. Yeah, it's like a lot of those super group albums in the 60s or those super blues albums where they put like Muddy Water and Howlin' Wolf and Bo Diddley together and you throw your, this is going to be amazing and you throw it on and it's kind of like, well, so I've only, this is so funny, Mike. I feel like we always initially disagree on the, cause I re, like it hit me. I had never heard Mir- Mirrorball before and it hit me like in a really good way. And I don't know if it's just cause I knew it was coming off of Cobain's death and I knew, I don't know. I just re, like from the get go, I like this album, but we don't need to talk about Mirrorball cause we're going to do <laughs> literally yeah. two hours on it next week. So <laughs> I, I prefer, I much prefer Sleeps with Angels. And the stuff leading up to that, I much that to me is feels more raw and authentic, and I think Mirrorball feels a little forced. Uh, that's I can all agree with that. No, I can agree <laughs> yeah. with that. Do you have um? Do you have a like a go to Neil album that's your favorite? Yeah, I would say the I usually say Tonight's the Night because that one is always it's my favorite version of Neil. You know. Sure. Sad, tortured, and uh, very raw, and also like full of flaws. Although on the beach uh, is yeah. also probably my like when I say this is the best Neil record, and then uh, tonight's night is like sort of my favorite. But that era is really where I I get really into it. Whereas something like this is one that is controversial amongst because I'm a, I'm a uh, the the biggest Neil Dork, well, not the biggest. I'm I'm a huge Neil Dork, but yeah. Well, you're in good company. Very good yes. company. <laughs> but here's the he thing: he stopped himself because he's with the three. Of us. <laughs> I didn't mean but Dork. <laughs> side two of Rust Never Sleep is is that that's like not the kind of Neil I like, you know? Oh, really? okay. Um, yeah, and it's very um, that's controversial because I yeah. want my crazy horse to be like I really love. Um, obviously classic crazy horse but you know a psychedelic pill okay. has like mm. has like ramada in you know and um that's the kind of crazy horse i love you know the sort of um spaced out meandering i have a song on my new record called valacito which is yep. which is which is my of many songs of mine my neil young homage you know and i i really got the guys in the room i because that song is just three chords over and over again I didn't send them that song. I just sent them a bunch of Neil Young stuff, you know, and I said, this is where we're going to go. Awesome. Yeah. Very <clears throat> So, but, you know, things like, um, uh, yeah, side two of Rose Never Sleeps is not my, I just can't, it's not my, I'll, so, of course I'll, I'll love so what it, did but you, it's not my vibe. What'd you think of Ragged Glory then? I mean, you said you kind of came into Neil yeah. in the 90s and that was like a resurgence at that time musically for him. Did yes. you a fan of Ragged Glory? Not as much. You know, okay. I, I like, I like, I like more sleeps with angels and things like Safeway cart and, um, and you know, something that's like more in that group. Like change, change your mind. Kind of a, like a 14 yeah, minute. Yeah. yeah. What'd you think of the song T-bone? You, do you know, remember that song? <laughs> is that on uh reactor or is yep. that on yeah. reactor? Yeah. yeah, sure. Sure. You like that's <laughs> I mean, a th- thumbs up for T-bone? Well, no, I mean, reactor is full. You of can like give it a thumbs up. I'm okay with that. <laughs> I just feel like, reactor to me has a lot of that rust never sleeps side too okay. like it's like that yeah. it's like that devo punk neil yeah. that i respect okay. but i don't want and i think his sure. voice goes into a funny place like um uh yeah i just don't uh, side one of uh rust never sleeps i'm okay with but you know there's there's 
Sure. There's there's like amazing shit. Obviously, like hey hey my my, um, and uh, there's some stuff that's just it's just I find it a little annoying. Okay. Um, but I don't, and I also just feel like to me, in my you know sort of unfounded but like belief of what Neil's true soul is is like that sort of uh, yeah Ramada Inn Safeway cart cowgirl on the sand down by the river. Yeah. That's what I that's what I want Neil's heart to be beating as yeah and so that's so when i find that i'm like yes we're in the pure zone so and then i'm <clears throat> oh sorry so well so down by the river i mean there's really no better yeah. neil song it's yes of course probably not solo no, but with my band my favorite song to cover and uh yeah. but mike i'm gonna go ahead and take john's that all that he just said as a as a thumbs up endorsement for t-bone and tell you to go fuck yourself hey listen i said i t-bone would be a great tune if he cut three minutes off of it okay i can't even imagine what like the nine minute version or the the 12 minute version of t-bone coming up on that way down in the rust bucket album is gonna sound like it's gonna sound like heaven you fucking asshole you, i'm gonna be i'm gonna be shoving my head in an oven for crying out loud an five minutes. the song rules so much and you're so such a <laughs> fucking piece of shit. We just yeah. I mean, stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's like that early '80s Neil. I just usually can't hang really, like unless it's a really good uh, acoustic-y thing. But Reactor, um, I forget what else is in that zone. But yeah, it's when it's really grating on me, it just kind of gets to me. But uh, yeah. well, Reactor but, and Live Rust were right. Or not Live Rust. Well, yeah, Live Rust and <clears throat> Rust Never well, Sleeps. Hawks and Doves was in there in right the around that. Yeah, I, I, like, I, I, yeah. I love Hawks and Doves. There's a couple clunkers on it. Sure, but Hawks for sure. And Doves is, I love things like Captain Kennedy and the Old Homestead. I mean, that's mm-hmm. also the Neil I love. Oh yeah, the really like ghosty. Um, that's I love that. So yeah, Hawks and Doves is a weird kind of outlier for me, but I love yeah, I love. It. I love. I also love Hawks and Doves. Stars and Bars was right around then, I think. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, um, I'm fine with Stars. A little earlier, but yeah, yeah. yeah that's I, that's I, an album. I don't. I think you mentioned this too, Luke. Like I never really paid attention. Like I started listening to Neil when I was like 16 and that was in, you know, the mid eighties. And, um, I never really paid attention to that or like time fades away. And then when right. we started covering it here, I'm like, where have I been? These albums right. are so fucking good. And even yeah. Neil himself was just like, I don't want to deal with these albums anymore. <laughs> and it wasn't because yeah. they were bad. It's just, they reminded him of a time in his life where he was just not having a great time. It's like, so- going sideways for him and, and so- he just, yeah. It's so interesting to me to talk like hearing John say like reference tonight's the night and on the beach and even like uh, when we talked to Griffin from ghost of Paul not long ago and he brought up on the beach and he brought up uh, time fades away. These are all albums that Neil <clears throat> literally considered his ditch albums Yes, that yes. are like 30 years later, or even longer than that, like just still blowing people's minds. I don't know. Fucking Neil, man. I fucking love yeah. Neil. That's our saying. Yeah, yeah. Show is fucking Neil, man. Oh, yeah, it can go both ways. You can be like, wow, fucking Neil, man. Or it can be like, fucking Neil, man. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, and I know those are like, those are easy go-tos, you know. Uh, I know even though Tonight's Night and On the Beach aren't necessarily like the most commercial, I don't feel that special by telling you that those are my favorites because like... Oh, they're great. Yeah, yeah they're so but good. I, I try to think of things like that are more obscure that I like, like a Hawks and Doves, things that I put on. I have a big Neil, probably my, in my vinyl collection, my Neil is probably my thickest uh, Same. stack. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> so Massey Hall is probably my oh, yeah. very, very favorite. Just because that's like, he's 
almost doing the Craigie, and that's insulting, of course. <laughs> you know, he's, ta- he's talking a little bit, and it's just a great, it's just great. So that's, I mean, I know that's live, so that doesn't quite count, but that would be my probably that's Neil's greatest moment. Yeah. yeah that's, that's a good go-to. Um, <clears throat> for sure. And then I do, like, like I said, with Psychedelic Pill, there's not, the problem with current Neil is you're going to get like an MP3 rant somewhere in there. You're going to get like, <laughs> a monsanto rant yeah so which which again i support neil and everything and i don't like monsanto or mp3s i guess i don't really give a shit about mp3s but (laughs) so with psychedelic pill you have things like ramada in that just are like a great fuzzed out daydream and then you have the song itself psychedelic pill which is like again a ridiculously maybe it's 20 minutes or something it's that's that's too too long, you know, for me. Yeah, there's it's like, like two I don't have all day. I can't wait to get the psychedelic pill. Like there's like two songs oh, on there good. that are like twenty there's minutes one, long. Yeah, one yeah, you're right. Thirty minutes, right? There's like a thirty there, minute. I song. think so. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. yeah. It's like I don't have all day, Neil. I'm sorry. Like I have things <laughs> oh, to do. I got all day, <laughs> Neil. If you want to write me a fifteen minute song where you only say "ain't got no T bone, got mashed potato," <laughs> I'm on board for that. As long as you don't bring the shocking pinks into that shit, I'm a hundred percent on board. Yes. Yeah. Um, so can I uh, bring up an age old fight question here, John? I please, feel like please, you'd be a, a good person to kind of weigh <clears throat> in on this. Yes. Yes. Um, you had on. I read a couple interviews about asterisk. How do you say it? Is it asterisk? asterisk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Asterisk the universe. Um, And one in particular, you mentioned some of your biggest influences were the band and Bob Dylan. Um, Obviously a huge fan of the band and Bob Dylan, probably more the band just because, I mean, it's the band for fucking out loud. But um, everyone brings it up. Every fan of music, Dylan versus Neil. and Mm. And I just... I wonder where, and not that one is necessarily better than the other, but I, I think it's it, it's important for us as a Neil Young podcast to start to broach the subject, Mike. I feel yeah. like it's been we've been hinting at it really? for a while. So yeah, I don't know. You want to start uh, a fight with the Dylan podcast? No, I don't want to start. <laughs> I mean, maybe I do. I don't. We're I on don't. The Pantheon Podcast Network, and there's like a Dylan. What's it? Are we rolling, Bob? Is that what it's called? There's one of the. There's like there's a yeah. hundred. Dylan podcast. Yeah. There's only yeah, one only Neil one. podcast, and that's only us, one baby. Neil podcast. Yeah. For better or for worse. But I, I just think it's uh, it's an important conversation. Obviously, I love Bob Dylan as a songwriter, yes. as a performer. I think I lean Neil, and I've yeah. seen a bunch of articles about this, and almost everyone leans Dylan. So I'm just a curious, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm curious no, no. where you uh, stand, pros and cons in this fight. Yeah, let's let's talk it out. I won't be able to pick, obviously, because it's like it's too. Uh, you know, you're talking about like oh, for Jesus sure. and Mary here, you know, or whatever for me. <laughs> right. You but wanna, um, you don't want to ruin your livelihood, John. Yeah. Well, it's also like your <laughs> management might call and say, "I heard you say you, you hated Neil, so yeah, I'm open for Dylan." Okay. First thing I'll say, because this is this is the conversation I have with a lot of other folk singers, is harmonica player Neil is 100. percent Yeah. 100. And I almost like when I'm talking about harmonica with people, I tell them that there's kind of two types. There's like the Dylan style and the Neil style. The Dylan style is wild, crazy, you know, uh, Woody Guthrie-ish. There's a lot of emotion in that. And then the Neil is the more precise, uh, beautiful, melodic. But I am always trying to be Neil Young when I play harmonica and rarely trying to be Bob Dylan. But um, so there's that. Uh, I think that Neil's 
has probably better, well, there's no, I will say this is a fact, that Neil's later era is better. You know, yeah. I don't, uh, with, with Dylan, once you get past uh, Blood on the Tracks or so, well, I don't, I'm going to get some, I think once yeah, you're in you the 80s with, you're going to get yeah, some shit, are. but go ahead and say it. <laughs> well, I'll say this, yeah. I'll back you up. It, the Dylan in the 80s, 90s, 2000, whatever, 80s onward, has a few good records. He does, but yeah. mostly not my favorite. Neil has uh, more good records than right. Neil has some bad ones too. But if someone's like, "Hey, do you want to listen to some some like more recent Dylan or more recent Neil?" I'm going to pick Neil every time. You know, Amen. Uh, there's no Amen. question. Yeah. Um, I will. Songwriting, it's hard to say. You know, I think I love them both equally. You know, especially if we're talking classic period. Um, you know, it's hard for me because Dylan was very very influential for me to to do what I do folk wise and stuff. And there was so much that I was pulling from him, but same with Neil, I would say maybe recording techniques, uh, Neil better, you know, like, um, I think Neil probably had a little more vision and control than Bob did. You can kind of see that through the ages. Uh, yeah, just someone who's probably a little bit more in control. I would say Neil, I think Neil cares a little bit more than Bob, uh, which is clear. I think that's what I'll say. In this I take, think he's I mean, taking more musical chances than Bob. Yeah, you know, I, I think yes. with that with that period we talked about in the eighties, sure. the trans and the shocking yes. things, and yeah, the oh, for notes sure. and all that stuff. And Bob's yeah. done that. You know, he's he's taken chances on on musical styles, but not as as extreme as Neil has. Right. And, yeah. But and at I'll the say, same time, you I'm can't sorry, you Mike. can't at the same time you can't say about Neil that he converted to Christi- like born-again <laughs> Christianity because he had writer's block. Yes, but, yes, yes. Yes, but Neil did no. convert to Reaganism for a little bit. That's true. You, okay, that's true. Luke. So, I mean, I don't yeah. know which one's worse. Yeah, that's yeah. true. All right. No, but, but it's, I, it's complicated. I, so I'll say, I, because I'm on a Neil Young podcast, I feel like I have to say a little bit more about Dylan. Obviously, I think my hat is in the Neil. Obviously, my hat's in the Neil. Yeah. But uh, says it on your hat. Yeah. Yes, it, I literally have a literally Neil Young hat on. on hat. But uh, I was fighting with my cousin about this a couple of days ago because he's a crazy Dylan fan, and I will say, Blonde on Blonde from beginning to end is a perfect album. As For is sure. Blood on the Tracks from For sure. beginning to end a perfect album. But I, I, I always, I think I always lean Neil. I just think between versatility i also have seen them both live and dylan's show again nothing oh, against him as a songwriter yeah. was i mean it yeah. was really hard to get through yeah no question who's gonna win in a current live i've seen yeah. a lot neil i've seen them both a bunch live and unfortunately i'm 40 years too young to have seen a good dylan show no offense <laughs> you know but um yes. whereas every neil show i've seen has been fan like yeah. out of my mind fantastic yeah but, so but Locko, you were saying because you were saying Dylan, like once every eight years, he'll just release a masterpiece. And you said the one he yeah. put out this year really did it for yeah. you. Yeah, I mean, I think I think even though, like, it, you know, his I agree with what you were saying, John. Basically, yeah. He like when from from the eighties on, like I don't really want to listen to Bob Dylan like most of the stuff. Um, yeah. But I do think this is what I was saying to Luke the other day is that like every 10 years he drops one of those albums where you're like, oh, okay, you still got it. And I think the one, yeah. the one that came out last year qualifies as one of those. Maybe it's not as good as like Time Out of Mind, but yeah. like, it's, I should it's give very it, good. I should give it a shot. To me, Time Out of Mind and Love and Theft, I really love, and I'll, I'll take those to the grave. And that was, 
he hasn't won me back since, but I, I haven't given too much time to the most recent, so I should, I'll go and give that one. Check it out. I think it's definitely yeah. a cool record. I'm going to check it out this week, I think. Yeah, cool. it's not as like, it's not as, um, you know, maybe it's not perfect. But it's yeah. like, you know, I mean, it's no, it's, it's, it's big step up from uh, Sinatra covers records. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I used to, I used to joke and I was just like, I don't know who that's for. You know, I was like, <laughs> who is out there being like, where, when is the D- Dylan Sinatra record coming out? Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to for, woo these women. I think it's, I think it's for Bob, you know, it's like, yeah, it's for Bob. Neil, Neil makes like the, the records about his car for himself yes, and, for and, and and the records where all he does is rant about Monsanto. Yes, and, yes. And and Bob's just like, you know what? I don't want to write any songs, but I like need to put something out there. I like yeah. Sinatra. I'm old, you know, like Hey, I like Sinatra too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I think Neil, I've said this to someone too about Neil cuz Neil does put out records where I'm like I don't like this at all, but he's he puts out so many records that before I can even finish my at right. all there's a fucking prairie wind or something yeah. right there. Right. So I'm like, all right, never mind. So that's what Neil has going on his side is that he'll do the Monsanto, but then Psychedelic Bill will fly right in there and it shuts yeah. me up. So Yeah, that uh, was the whereas, thing with Americana. Everybody was like, oh, I hate this Americana record. Yeah. And I think it was out like three weeks before Psychedelic Bill. So yeah, I was like, exactly. who cares? Like, who cares? <laughs> yeah, I think the other, the other thing... Oh. oh, we got you. Yeah. Uh, the other thing about Dylan is that he just is overrated. And I only mean that in the sense that because uh, he's clearly at the top echelon of these things, but he's just an easy go-to. It's like the Beatles. It's like, who is the best songwriter because of the nature of he was early on in that world right. like the Beatles were. So I think it's easy to also give him a little shit. Whereas Neil is a bit of an underdog, right? Sure, like your yeah. grandma doesn't, your grandma probably doesn't like Neil Young, but your grandma's like, oh, Bobby Dylan blowing in the wind. You know, it's like, <laughs> so there's, I think I often tend to criticize Dylan or take the devil's advocate, even though he is one of my gods and, and right. one of the reasons I exist as a musician because of the, it's a little overhyped. And so sometimes I get sure. mad at Rolling Stone where they're giving, uh, you know, Tempest five stars or whatever. And I'm just like, Come on, guys. The Titanic song? We don't... <laughs> what year is this? But, but anyway, yeah. but it's also like, uh, I don't think Neil gets as much love, clearly. Uh, sure. And so I think I tend to be more of a defender of him because he, it's a little grittier. It's a right. little uglier, you know, on, on a lot of levels. So 100%. That I'll, I'll, say, I'll just say that. Yeah. And plus, you got to rebel against Grandmother Craigie, who's you know, yes. such a Dylan apologist. Now, yeah, exactly. John, please listen to Blow It in the Wind. Yeah, times gonna... are changing. <laughs> voice of a generation. You know, Neil was not a voice of a generation. You know, John, maybe have Ohio, some peanut yeah. butter cookies and please listen to Blood on the Tracks. Yes, exactly, exactly. It's, That's going to become so I a just character see... on this show, unfortunately. Yeah, please, bring it on. <laughs> Grandmother <That's>, Craigie. <laughs> there's a, there, she's out there and she loves that sweet Peter, Paul, Mary, Dylan. Peter, oh, Paul, yeah. and Mary did not cover t-bone you know that what i'm saying like, yeah <laughs> it didn't oh, fucking happen such a bad cover uh, yeah exactly they just oh, a magic dragon crazy. instead we love your grandma exactly. we love your grandmother john oh, yeah, grandma yeah. Craigie. <laughs> yes yes uh, no i get that and also it also helps that neil would 100 percent pick dylan because he's yeah. such a dylan fan and dylan would also pick Dylan. no i'm just kidding yeah i think i'm kidding did. no no dylan oh. loves neil it's beautiful yeah I'll yeah, be a little yeah. controversial here, and I'll say I'll pick the band over Dylan too. Sure, I just sure. Love, 
the band. I well, love those first two records <clears throat> more than most records that have ever yeah. come out. Oh, so. no question. And the thing, too, that you have to realize about anyone's career is the greatest thing you can do is either die or break up. You know what I mean? Right. Because then you don't make, uh, you don't make fucking um, Landing on Pinks. Water. <laughs> yeah, you don't right. make Landing on Water because no. you're dead or you're... So the, Be- the greatest thing the Beatles ever did was break up. Right. Because if they had lived Wait, to the, the Beatles 80s, broke up? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> you know, then they would have had Pipes of Peace or right. uh, Double Fantasy, you know, would have been a Beatles record and they would have been cheesy as fuck. Yeah. So that's why when you look at someone like the Stones, clearly are great, but they made, they made shitty records because they were lived through the 80s and 90s. Right, and, shit. and they had they and, did their disco album. You know, they yeah. had disco songs. They did all that stuff, you know. Yes. That's one of their best records. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I so, actually believe you, Loco. I, I actually yeah. believe that. that you oh, I black and blue all right. <laughs> yeah, but the band, had, you know, they have their classic period and it's great. And they were able to get out um, before it got too bad. So, yeah, I, I think if you're talking That's about. True. I sometimes wonder if Dylan would have died in that motorcycle accident. You know, mm. how much more of a god he would have been i mean i don't think it would be i don't think we would be able to have this conversation i think he would be literally like because it's just it's a, such an amazing career up to that point and then to have that robbed from us um yeah. i just i wonder what that would have been like. you know i, it's just I really think you're i think there people would have literal like idol fucking yeah yeah <clears throat> setups in their houses for sure yeah bob Mar- i mean bob marley close you know i mean he wasn't at the top of his game when he died, but pretty close, you know what I mean? Right. And there are people yeah. who somewhat worship him. So I think we'd be looking at some near religions for, for that guy. So oh, for sure. uh, dying is the best thing you can do. No, kids don't <laughs> do it. It's better to but, burn out yeah. than to fade away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not to get exactly. morbid. Well, That's but the, I mean, then there, yeah. there's the, uh, I yeah. mean, there's the reverse <clears throat> of that too, of like, I mean, imagine if uh, John Lennon was still alive, like what I kind know. of, of weird course. music right. yeah. would he still be making? I always yeah. wonder if Jimi Hendrix had lived Yes. And what kind of music he would be making now? Would he be, would he have made a disco album? Probably. You know, or would, would he <laughs> yeah. have worked, you know, like Miles Davis wanted to work with him? You know, what would that yeah. have been like? I, always, I think about Kurt Cobain all the time. I'm like, yeah. would he have joined a new metal band or would there just oh, not hopefully. have been new metal? Because <laughs> I know. Cobain, yeah. Dude, it's a new really metal weird. band with Cobain would have been, I, I would have never listened to anything else. I'm sorry. <laughs> Like in 1999, Luke would have been. I would have just spent all day lo- trapped in my parents' basement listening to New Metal Cobain. Yeah. In fact, I'm going to start a band called New Metal Cobain, and I hope that you guys all subscribe. <clears throat> right. to awesome. See what happens. <laughs> so what? What do you, John? What? What do you like? You're not big on the live stream thing. It seems like yeah. it's the only alternative right now. But what do you do moving forward now? So there's a vaccine. Things may loosen up. I'm not counting on them to loosen up yeah. in any way like it used to be where you could get shoulder to shoulder in a sweaty club and yeah. you know, hang out at the bar and stuff like that. So what are, what are your plans moving on? Through I'm working on a new record. I've been working on a new record this, this whole time and I'm taking it real slow, which is not normal for me. I like to go in and do my tonight's the night, just have everyone be there. Don't, this one is a lot more uh, meditative, chill, um, and I'm enjoying that. So that's, I'll keep working on that until it's, I'm back on tour and I'll go back on tour whenever they let me until then. Um, yeah. I'm trying to just find that patience, that Zen, mm-hmm. you know, go on more hikes, be outdoors more, do the things I'm kind of looking at it as like, this is my retirement. Cause I didn't ever plan on retiring. I was going to tour till I died. So now I'm just kind of doing what an old person would do. Crossword puzzles. <laughs> um, keep the watching, brain sharp. 
Yeah, watching the movies, going in walks in the woods and everything like that, and then and then get me back on tour and kill me, and I'll be fine. Right. You know? And then yeah, Jeopardy at night, and then, exactly, uh, right, exactly. Did I tell you boys I got my? Uh, I'm getting an Alex Trebek tattoo on March 5th. Nice. <laughs> I really am. I, it's Luke, just going to be a picture of Trebek. I just love Trebek and Jeopardy. I know you do. Just think, nice. just keep thinking on that. All right. No, I'm not. I, well, keep, it's already booked. I already put my down payment on it. Just meditate on it for a while. I'm going to get, I'm going to get Trebek on one shin and uh, Neil on the other. It's going to be the two Canadian, my, the two Canadians I worship <laughs> the most. So. That's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to hear the new stuff, John, because uh, I feel like, and similar to Neil in this way, you kind of, and this is one of the things I, as a podcast we appreciate about Neil, even the albums that we don't like, yes. Neil does what Neil wants, yes. that's the bottom line. It doesn't matter who's paying him, it doesn't matter what label he's signed to, Neil does whatever the fuck he wants. And I've noticed, uh, like, there's always a slight difference to your albums, at least the ones that I've dipped into. And I really, really like Asterisk the Universe because I feel like it's got a, kind of more of a groove to it. That song, yeah. Hustlin', fucking right off the bat, you're just kind of mm. grabbing people. And then uh, the... And you mentioned David Crosby in it. So you get oh, that's yeah. right. That's <laughs> yeah, right. You mentioned David Crosby. We, he's kind of a point of, I guess, abuse on this podcast. <laughs> yes. Not yeah. as much as Stills, but, you know. No, gets, not as much yeah, as Stills. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> I love that. Um, I love your yeah, album I mean, cover game, uh, John. Thank I you. I, <clears> thank the you. Herb Albert motif on the new yeah. one, was that, I mean, yes. was that mo intentional, I assume? I mean, like, uh, Yeah, the lettering came about after we had done, we wanted to do something to homage a lot of those, they call them cheesecake album covers, which was a, a standard thing for the sort of jazz and easy listening at the time. Yeah. So we, got, wanted to get a, we wanted to get a model looking like relaxed and stuff. And uh -huh. once we had that shot, my graphic designer said, hey, you know, what do you think about some like crazy, like ornate lettering, kind of like uh, the Herb Albert thing? And I said, yeah, let's do it. So I thought that was really cool. It's awesome. Um, it caught my eye. It's, a, it's awesome. You know, it's a thank good, you. Yeah, classic you didn't, you didn't want to get into that. Uh, too, sorry. No, go uh, ahead, Jim. Go ahead, Matt. Sorry. My, uh, my other favorite style of album cover is the, uh, the kind of like group shot a la yeah. um, Sergeant Peppers. Yes, the last of course. And that too. So I yeah. was like, right when I saw both those two, I was like, oh, I like this guy. <laughs> like, Thanks, man. Yeah, man. very influenced by that stuff. I put a lot of thought into that. But Luke, as to what you're saying, yeah, I, I love that about Neil, about um, Paul Simon. There's certain yeah. artists that I, I just admire. And I forget what documentary I was watching, but Neil said something really cool where he said he said i follow the muse no matter what even if it's to a bad place you know like even if it's like i don't i think he was trying to allude to like uh some of his like sort of awkward albums and he was saying i but i follow her no matter what and even if it's something that's kind of not great that's what's important to him and i really i felt that when he said that you know mm -hmm. so i think that that's um something that whenever wherever my muse is taking me I'll go there and, you know, hopefully people like it, but yeah. I'm not, I think in the end, you're right. It's the authenticity that we are going to be drawn to. So minus shocking pinks, I think everything else feels very authentic. Oh yeah. And, and so side B of Russ never sleeps. I'll I'm, I'm not going to turn it off. That's for right. sure. He's my man. Well, know? and even the albums that like, <clears throat> like trans, which I was actively against when we recorded that episode, but like Mike and Russ were very instrumental in like, reminding me of as he recorded this is what he wanted to do he had a son with cerebral palsy and he really wanted to yes. communicate that to him and i don't know but i mean i just i feel like you 
as a listener, as a, like a fan of music, as a musician, yeah. I hear authenticity more than anything else. And I feel Thank like you. you've just got like really good authenticity. <clears throat> like that song, Hustlin', Don't Deny, really hit me in a good spot. And then Nomads, really fucking, really good song, dude. And really great Thank closer you. for that album. So Thanks so All much. Yeah, I, I felt good. So now before I go, though, since I have you guys here, can I talk about one thing that always sort of intrigues me when I'm talking to my Neil Young friends? Yes, please. Okay. Powder finger. Here's okay. the thing. Uh, I'm a nerd, so I'm always looking up like, you know, Neil Young songs ranked or, you know, best Neil Young songs. Powderfinger is always up there, number one, number two, number three. And I, it's just, I like it, but it's, it's sort of a regular Neil Young song to me. Can you guys help me out here? What are your thoughts on Powderfinger? It's my favorite Neil Young song. Okay, okay. Luke's it's covered it. And I, I just, was going to say, Luke's, so Luke's my, cover is yeah. wrong. Oh, I'd like so, to hear that. Well, I'll, I'll send you a, I'll send you a link. My, so I normally, I've never really done solo stuff. I I'm always with my band. We're called town meeting. And, uh, but I, in 2020, just for like an experiment, I just recorded a solo album in my home. And I thought I don't, I only want to cover one song and it's powder finger. And I don't know what it is about that song, but it hits me so hard. And I don't know. I think you know what it is. It's it's Neil, it's Neil's lines, and I like I like his version off of um, Hitchhiker more than anything else. Yeah, yeah. I, like that, that. I, I did hear that, and I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. I'm so I, I like the softer versions of that song because yeah. I think it makes the lyrics really hit hard. And I I think what's fascinating about that song is he wrote it for Leonard Skinner. He wanted them to. Oh, cover that interesting. Song. I did not know that. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but the, it's that line. Um, Raise my rifle to my eye. Then I saw blood, or didn't stop to never stop to wonder why. Then I saw black and my face splashed in the sky. It's just his imagery. The yeah, whole, that's a good one. And it's also the idea. I think Mike. I think you brought this up when we went over this. Was it Russ, Russ Never Sleeps or whenever the song first popped up? Is he takes that whole indigenous people experience and he flips it on its head, and he really like makes people who maybe wouldn't have thought about that think about it you know, thrown in names like Emmy Lou and, you know, right. John and. Right. Yeah. So this is like, you know, that was kind of my take on it was, um, you know, he's using like, you know, big John and names that are associated. I don't know, with like backwoods country people, maybe, um, you know, stupid names like John, you know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, it, so kidding. it's kind of like, okay, so you're putting, you know, you're putting like white people, in that position as opposed to people in what are usually war-torn areas like the middle east or some native Africa, americans you or know native I mean? americans yeah. or something like yeah. that these are these are people that are being oppressed and he's using these kind of regular american names and so it's like they could happen anywhere and i'm probably just thinking way too much about it I'm no i i, I, I think that thought into it i think you're uh, onto something man like it's because it's it literally flips it on its head where when you think about you know early America and the whole native Americans verse, just this massive influx of Europeans, the Europeans had the big boats, the Europeans had the big guns and he flips it on its head. And now the Europeans are on the shore maybe. Yeah. And it just, I don't know something about that really like he's, I just, and, and I also love that he wrote it for Skinner who everyone thinks that they hated each other and they absolutely did not hate each other. Yeah. And I just, I, that part about it makes, I don't know. It's just, it's one of my favorite Neil Young songs of all time. So. I like that. Cool. Okay. That's, you know, he, that, it doesn't really have a, a chorus. Yeah. Right. We talked about this too. It's like the guitar lick 
or the riff is is the chorus. The chorus, yeah. And it's to me that is that's just that's one of the things about the song that really draws me in. It's just it's it's just well crafted. It's well played. Right. It just grabs me right away. And I love that's that's the kind of crazy horse I like. I like the loud, yeah, crazy horse. <clears throat> and I also like the meandering, spacey crazy horse too. I mean, I'm more of a crazy horse guy than anything else with Neil. Yeah. Uh, but I love it when they just are the garage bar band and they're just right. yeah. it out. You know, it, they was have that never, it was never energy. one of my favorite Neil songs, though, until recently. And I really, honestly, he'll never say it, but you should check out Luke's version. I will, I will. You yeah. know, because it's like, it's well, I'm going to go back and give it Thanks, another man. listen because it's been a song that I always just liked. I thought, like, I just put it in the regular, I like that song category, but not even my, not my top 10, not my top 20. Right. And then I just started reading all these things and I thought, man, what am I missing? But I appreciate you guys giving me this. I'm going to go back and. <laughs> what are some of your tops? Just because I have to ask, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, out on the weekend, of course. Like, yeah. To me, to me, that's the blueprint of how to make a good recording, and and especially just because of the way that, um, he, it's almost like if you could teach a class on it, in the way that it, how it starts, bass and drums, how it brings the acoustic in, you know, then it brings the pedal steel. It's just a perfect song to me. Um, I think that uh, on the beach is another. Uh, perfect song, um, Cowgirl in the Sand, uh, um, Down by the River. Uh, let's see, what else could I? Um, <clears throat> Tonight's the Night has so many good ones. Um, fuck, uh, I think Mellow My Mind. Yeah. Uh, borrowed, borrowed Tune, I really, I know it's kind of a, a sleeper one, but I love that. They're really yeah, so those are probably, I mean, I could go on and on and on, but that's, no, those sure. are some, some tops for sure. But I, I like the, the sort of random stuff. Um, love in Mind, you know, I love um, like Captain Kennedy and Old Homestead. Those are songs I'll listen to over and over again. Uh, Pardon My Heart, you know, yeah. Yeah. kills me. Yeah. This is great to talk to so, like a real Neil fan. <laughs> this is just, it's yeah. very like refreshing. <laughs> I love um, how much you rep for uh, everyone knows this is nowhere. It's not yeah, what yeah. I would have expected listening to your records, but uh, it's, it, I, I know Mike loves it as much as yeah. I do. Yeah. I, I don't know what Luke thinks, but I love it. Yeah, totally. I mean, we yeah, cover more songs off that than any other record. It's just a fucking great album. Yeah. yeah. So that's, I mean, all the early stuff is so classic. Anything off after the gold rush, clearly. Yeah. Uh, out, you know, for days and harvest, especially. Um, so yeah, all those, it's, it's just really great. I just, I just saw him live. Uh, I guess it was two summers ago. I saw him at a theater here in Portland, do a just solo show. And okay. then about a week later I played bottle rock and saw the full band with, uh, with the, um, oh, sick. you know, promise promise of the real. So it was just really cool to see it so close together. Him be the grandpa sitting down, you know, with all the mellow stuff and then him be the fucking, crazy uncle you know just jam you know just yeah. they rocked solid That's the awesome. whole time it was it was cool yeah um yeah no we we i saw him same same experience i'm with promise of the real and then maybe two years later saw him solo in both times it was just magical so yeah i, I saw the psychedelic pill tour <laughs> wow and, cool and i'll yeah. tell you and i before that i saw him uh on the uh hmm, it was before the Fork in the Road album came out because mm-hmm. he was playing. He does what I love. Very few artists do this these days. They play new stuff. Like yeah. He played new stuff. 
you know, yeah, it used to be like when I was a kid and I'd go to shows, they'd be like, here, you want to hear some new stuff? And people would go <laughs> sick. And then yeah. all that somewhere, at some point it was like, Hey, we're going to play a new song. And everybody goes like to the, get a beer or goes to the bathroom. Yeah. Right. You know, but he was like playing these new songs and he had, that was the band with like Ben Keith and, you know, yeah, Peggy yeah. was a backup nice. singer and stuff and they were amazing. But then with crazy horse, it was almost like he was trying to provoke like either the audience to walk out or to just to storm the stage and beat the shit out of them. <laughs> he was just, nice. him and Crazy Horse were just taunting the fucking crowd. They did it. like a 12 minute version of fucking up. And yeah. oh, Frank awesome. San Pedro was like in the front row's faces, you know, all these people who paid like 1200 bucks for their seats and pointing at them and going, you're a fuck up. And he was like in their face <laughs> oh, and wow. people started turning. They just started, That's people awesome. started yelling at the stage and stuff. I'm like, this is getting out of control. And then I was like, this is Neil Young. Yeah. This is fucking awesome. He's still <laughs> doing this after all these years. He can still get a rise out of the crowd. Oh, I love yeah, that. I love that. Yeah. Nice. Well, well this has been uh, John Craigie. He's got a uh, album that came out in 2020 called Asterisk, The Universe. But really, check out every album that he's put yeah. out. Um, obviously, you can find them streaming everywhere. But, John, if people want to find physical copies of your albums, is there a place they can go to do that? Yeah, just go to my – if you go to my website, johncraigiemusic.com, there's a link to my store, and it's a great way to – support a musician during these times i got shirts uh hats uh, records uh, all kinds of fun stuff so um check it out on there awesome awesome yeah Thanks. and oh, send God. me that uh send me a somebody send me a link of luke doing i will that finger. i will i will cool man um, thanks guys it was recorded in my studio but yeah thanks to John Craigie thank you everyone for who's listened so far up to this point we love uh, all our fans and uh you know buy our merch to longmayyoyoungpodcast.com Next week is Mirror Ball, which I'm very excited for. And Mike, what am I forgetting? Um, I think that's it. We're part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. That's what I'm forgetting. And uh, don't forget to check us out on social media. We're the Facebook group, and it's at Long May You Young on Twitter and Instagram. So you can check us out there also. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.